hell is going on? Keeping you up to date all weekend long. It's the ATL with Abe Gordon. Let's do this on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back in, 92.9 The Game. It is the ATL Show, live from the Key Studios here on a Sunday evening. We have had a lot of Falcons talk in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we had the coaching search, and since that's taken place, there's been plenty of thoughts after on the offensive coordinator hires and the coaching hires, and uh, certainly the big question of what the next step is, what the plan is at quarterback, stuff like that. And earlier this week, Dukes and Bell uh, traveled up to Flowery Branch to sit with the coordinators and hear from them for the first time on the station. And look, it would have been great if Carl and Mike were able to sit there and look at Zach Robinson in the eye and say, Zach, what are you doing at quarterback? And it would have been awesome. It would have been so beautiful if he said, look, we're going to find someone in the draft. I don't know who. I don't know how. But we're going to get someone. All right. Obviously, that's not what he said. Okay? So, there are ways to read between the lines, if you will. And, and kind of take some of the comments he had and break it into what the suggestions were. And, and, and figure out exactly what he's trying to say. Maybe even what he wanted to say but wasn't able to. And they also sat down with defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake, who who was maybe a little bit more open, a little bit less uh, general, speaking in the generalities and stuff like that. So, uh, again, this is from Dukes and Bell when, when they were talking with offensive coordinator Zach Robinson and defensive coordinator uh, Jimmy Lake. A and there were a couple of things that Zach Robinson said that really caught my eye. A and the first one was a position group that I had talked about maybe looking for some suggestions, some improvements, uh, but it seems that offensive coordinator Zach Robinson is set. You know, the pieces are in place, and, and it starts with the, the big fellas. I mean, we got to talk about those guys. It's Jake Matthews and, and uh, Bergeron and Drew Dahlman and Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. You watch those guys play, and as, as a new guy coming in, knowing that that foundation is set, let's roll. You know, that's that, that you feel great about what Ledford's done with those guys. And so um, I'm excited to get to work with those guys, piecing together the skill positions. That's going to be a lot of fun, and that's going to be part of the next couple months. So the offensive line is set. I, I mean, it seems set, at least. That was one of the few things that Zach Robinson was pretty direct about. And, and look, anything can happen. Things can change, right? It, it, opportunities come your way that maybe you didn't expect or the draft board falls in a certain manner. But I, and I know other people might disagree, I, I thought there was an opportunity to improve along the offensive line. I, I Personally, I think Drew Dahlman was okay. I think you'd be well served to upgrade at center. Uh, especially in a new offense, but that's just me. But it, it appears that the offensive line is set, at least as of the moment. And again, situations change, opportunities arise, uh, uh, who knows. And then, look, another aspect of the interview, and again, this is from earlier in the week, midweek, when Dukes and Bell 
were up at Flowery Branch. And we're going to hear from defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake here in just a moment. But I want to continue with some of the comments that Zach Robinson made. Look, they asked they asked about the quarterback. And again, he wasn't going to give you a direct plan. But there are a couple of comments he did make that maybe you can read into. So here's what Zach Robinson said about the quarterback situation in Atlanta when asked by Dukes and Bell midweek. That relationship, building that trust, that quarterback room is so special. And having the synergy between the play caller and the quarterback is the most important thing in terms of functioning as an offense on Sunday. So it's going to start with just shoot whoever that is. You know, if it is Des, it Taylor, you know, all these guys. We're, we're looking and we're going through the entire process. Like you said, we're going to keep it close to the vest in terms of what's going on. And you guys are going to find out at some point, and we'll, <laughs> right. we'll all put this thing together. And, and we're just going through the. The, the entire process, looking at our guys first, uh, and then exploring the options after that. All right. I mean, he said they're going to look at Dez. But here's why I don't get too crazy about that comment. He also said he's going to look at, at Heineke. There's almost no shot that Heineke's on this roster. Uh, and so take that with a grain of salt, the idea of we're going to start with the guys in this room. You better not. You better start with a couple guys outside the room. That, that's that's all I'm saying. Uh, but he did say that. You know, take a look at the – hey, look, we got a conversation coming up with, when I'm back with you for 92.9 The Game tonight on Tuesday. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how we got here. But it just – it seems more and more likely that a lot of you – and you know who you are. And, and those of you who aren't in this group, you know you're not. A lot more people are accepting – of the possibility that Desmond Ritter is QB1. And so we're going to talk about that when I'm back with you on Tuesday. I don't want it. I don't think it's a real option, but a lot of you seem to think that everything was Arthur Smith's fault and maybe Ritter can roll in a new offense. But uh, look, Zach Robinson talked about what he looks for in a quarterback and says they're going to start with the guys that they have on roster. And then the other aspect that Robinson was pretty open about, and again, didn't come out and specifically say it, but there, there's, you know, he talked about keeping the position group that is the offensive line. He talked about getting some serious difference makers in another position group. You certainly want speed. Uh, speed kills in this league. Uh, you want defenses to feel threatened at all times that you can throw the ball over the top. And, and until you prove that until you have that guy mm-hmm. the, the field shrinks and so uh, like you're saying certainly want to have somebody that can stretch the field uh, and do those types of things for you we'll, we'll see exactly what that looks like over the next couple months but you're 100 percent right we gotta uh, we gotta get some guys out there that can roll there's gonna be some new receivers in that room this coming year and, and I don't know if they're coming via the draft I don't know if they find ways to get guys in free agency. You know, there, there are a couple of top-end guys that probably get tagged or stay with their team, you know, the T. Higgins of the world. Um, you know, I was thinking about a guy. Uh, if you're looking for a guy with speed, if you're looking for a team that, I don't know, is going to draft a receiver in the top five and maybe looking to move on from other guys, Marquise Brown, uh, the Cardinals receiver, I mean, you just you're talking about speed. You're talking about trying to open some things up. You're talking about a guy that has probably not reached his potential. I think injuries ha- has played a large part of that. Uh, you, you just wonder if 
maybe he's a guy that would fit in here. Uh, we, you know, Scotty Miller has a little bit of speed, but we didn't use him a ton. And, and that goes into possibly Arthur Smith not taking advantage, uh, most advantage of what's on the roster. But you, you have got to make some maneuvers to be more explosive on offense. And, and look, nothing against Drake London. I, I think he's an outstanding receiver, but he's a different type of receiver than a guy that's just going to beat you deep. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Jefferson or Chase. Uh, and, and you've got to open things up top to allow him and Kyle Pitts, by the way, to work underneath. And so uh, I do expect some changes there. So, look, th that was some of the conversation they had with offensive coordinator Zach Robinson. Um, there's going to be some changes. And, and look, a lot of people say the offense is just the quarterback away. It's not just the quarterback. So just keep that in mind. you got to bring in some receivers as well. And like I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if they upgrade uh, along the offensive line, especially there in the middle. Uh, defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake also sat down. And this was, uh, you know, I had talked uh, quite highly about Zach Robinson. Not, not so much about Jimmy Lake. I didn't talk negatively about him. I, I just didn't have as many um, – positive thoughts personally about him. I didn't, I obviously know about his history at Washington. I knew he had crossed paths with Raheem a little bit. He went into more detail uh, with that. Um, and, and look, you've got a head coach that is a defensive back specialist. You now also have a coordinator that is a defensive back specialist. And, and you had some good play from your DBs, but also uh, a couple of spots for improvement there. And you're probably going to need to bring in at least one more DB, or at least one more corner, maybe add to the safety room as well. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the course uh, of the offseason. But uh, Jimmy Lake talked about taking a look at what they have on the back end of this defense and how impressed he already is. We have a tremendous uh, defensive back coach that I have so much respect for uh, that's here right now in Jerry Gray, hmm. uh, who's done a phenomenal job with DBs his whole career at this level. And... When I turned on the tape when I was first hired, I turned on the tape to watch the defense, and you saw a well-coached secondary, extremely well-coached. I text Raheem right away. I was like, whoa, these guys are coached up now. And, uh, and then when we uh, interviewed Jerry, you, you could tell right away uh, the knowledge that he has. And, and we knew that. He's a, he's a legendary coach in this league right. and, and has done so much. And so we have a, uh, you know, we have a tremendous amount of respect and trust in uh, Jerry coaching our defensive backs. He likes what he sees. And, and you know, I, obviously I think that probably ends up being a comment that may lead towards an extension for A.J. Terrell. I think that's probably where you're at. He didn't specify A.J. I think we all know what Bates is bringing you. And, by the way, it's not just the comment that I think leads towards an extension. I think there's a necessity uh, that has to be done there as well. That's the back end of the defense. The bigger – and, look, I know we had some issues on the back end, not getting off the field, giving up some big plays, especially the last couple of weeks, whatever it was. The biggest issue, though, is on the front end of that defense. This team needs a, a pass rush, and Jimmy Lake was pretty much directly asked, uh, is there a guy on this roster you think could turn into that dude, or are you going to have to bring in someone from the outside? We are in Tampa. Uh, we picked off Michael Bennett from a pr practice squad of Seattle Seahawks, and nobody knew who this guy was. And uh, now all of a sudden he was the, 
you know, one of the, the best pass rushers in the league. So guys can definitely develop, and, uh, you know, that's on, you know, our, our obviously as, as coaching staff, our scouting department is p- picking those guys that have the traits but also have the above-the-neck ability to, to take the coaching and take that next step in their game. A little bit of both, and there's a couple of things here that play into the favor of finding a couple guys on this roster that can get, that can get the job done. I do think moving to a 3-4, and Jimmy Lake clarified that. I, we don't need the cut because it was pretty direct. It was just, yeah, we're going to be in a base 3-4. Now, you're talking about a base defense. You don't run the base defense that often because of different uh, scenarios in the flow of the game. But if, if you're running a base defense, maybe D'Angelo Malone steps back into the picture. I think Arnold Ebicady is a big benefactor of that. And that leaves you with the question of who's going to man the middle. Um, b- because you had Grady kind of move outside a little bit more. You had Calais Campbell move outside a little bit more. I loved what David Onyemata did, but but is he a guy that can man the center in a 3-4, or, or is he on the outside of one of those? So uh, a couple of questions there as well. And, and then the final thing that Jimmy Lake said, which – it might run counter to how you think teams attack you in the NFL if you just started watching, but I know a lot of uh, coaches uh, do kind of feel this way. Um, the most important thing, the first priority on defense uh, is not limiting the opposing team's receiver. It, it falls somewhere else. To create the opportunity to get to that point, you first got to stop the run. Once we're able to stop the run, and force offenses into passing situations, that's when we can pin our ears back and go. We harass the quarterback, cause him to make bad decisions, and that's when whether it's a corner, nickel, linebacker, safety, whoever's intercepting, D lineman on a tip pick, that's when we'll create those opportunities to get more turnovers. It all it always starts with stop of the run first. It's so easy for the quarterback to get the ball, turn around, and hand the ball off. It's a lot harder for a quarterback to drop back and throw that thing down the field. Once we're able to do that, which we will, uh, we'll create those opportunities. I will say this. Like like both Zach Robinson and and Jimmy Lake spoke with a ton of confidence, a a ton of belief. And, you know, ultimately, I I don't know how much that matters. You still got to get the guys. You still got to coach them up. You still got to make the right calls at the right time, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, these guys believe in themselves. They believe in Raheem Morris. Uh, They wouldn't be here if they didn't. And, And so... Uh, we move forward with that, but it'll be very interesting to see. Again, this offseason, as much as it is about the quarterback, there are so many other things to take a look at. It's no secret we need a pass rusher. It's no secret we need some wide receivers. You definitely need to add uh, in the cornerback room as well. Honestly, the only thing that's probably set that I would be like 100% is locked in, feel pretty good about running back. I feel pretty good about linebacker. Everything else, I expect a little bit, if not a lot, of turnover uh, in those position groups. So we'll see how the offseason plays out. But again, ultimately, we know this. Everyone knows this. It's no secret. We don't need to harp on it. You got to get the quarterback in here as well. All right, when we come back, uh, D-Led, who joined uh, Chris Gofor earlier in the day, he had a couple of comments uh, about what he saw in Super Bowl 58 and what the Falcons can learn from it. We're going to dive into that, kind of break down the article, see if there are really parallels in how the Falcons could take advantage. That's what's coming up next. It is the ATL Show, live from the Kia Studios on Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
two, three. Are you ready? Give it up for my friend. Back to more of the Abe TL Show. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back in, 92.9 The Game, the ABTL Show, live from the Kia Studios here. If you want to hit me up on Twitter at any point throughout the show or even after the show, before the show, any time of day, at Abe Gordon, you can find me there on the Tweet Tweet or X, whatever you want to call it now. Hey, I know we talked about Atlanta United uh, earlier to start the show or, or near the start of the show. They they had their closed-door final ramp-up match against Sporting KC, and, and the season for Atlanta United is going to start in a week. Next Saturday afternoon, they've got their opener against defending champion the Columbus Crew. But Atlanta United is starting the year out already as winners because Paulo Neto, who is – uh, the representative for Atlanta United in esports has just taken home his third EMLS title in four years. Uh, he, he's actually really fun to watch play. Those of you who know how weird I am, yes, I do watch people play video games. Uh, I am, I am, a, 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 I'd say a pretty routine viewer of Twitch. Uh, not so much some of the other way, uh, websites. Uh, kick or whatever, but uh, you know, I also sometimes I watch uh, YouTube gaming depending on who it is. A couple, couple of yeah, guys that I enjoy. That is, yeah, what, do you have streamers. a specific streamer you watch or a specific game? Streamers. I'm. I, I do like the personality more. Who? All right. So now I got to ask, who's who are your guys? Who like? Uh, give me like one or two. Uh, two guys that I watch a lot. Uh, I'm big on Atrioc. Okay, uh, I watch him a lot, and then there's another guy called Vash that I like a lot. I don't. I've never heard of either of those guys. I don't know them. It, what are they? Uh, first person shooters or what? So Atrioc does a bunch of stuff. His main thing, he's a uh, a hitman speedrunner. So okay. he's one of like those guys who's like world records and stuff. And then Vash is just kind of like a casual guy, but he's known for like Resident Evil playthroughs and stuff. Gotcha. Like that. Yeah. I, so I'm normally more the first person shooter type. I, I think it lends itself to people being. Um, more comedic a little bit to an extent. I do watch yeah, I see that. some poker online stuff, too. Uh, and then, like I said, I, I watch, uh, you know, Atlanta United gaming uh, with Paulo Neto. Uh, and then I do watch the talent, uh, the Atlanta Hawks arm uh, of the uh, gaming community and NBA 2K and all that. And so uh, I'll check them out every once in a while as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, you know, I got four TVs. They're smart TVs. Like, I may as well use them. So I'll just sit at home and throw something up there, uh, you know, log into the Twitch app and get after it. I don't know. That's just what I do. By the way, while we're speaking of, like, you know, apps and kind of that whole lifestyle, I I discovered a new dating. And those of you who don't know, I I am single uh, and, and looking. Um, I wouldn't say I'm desperate, but I'm. I would like to meet someone, right? I'm. I'm somewhat trying. Uh, uh, others would say I have the wrong approach, wrong mindset. But you know, when I can, I get dressed up and, and go out in some theoretical attempt to meet someone the old-fashioned way. Talking to people in bars does not work. It does. It first off, it like rarely happens. And then I see that video. Like, there's all these videos of uh, of attractive. 
uh, ladies on like Instagram or Reels or YouTube Shorts or whatever. They're like, no one ever approaches me. It's tough. To, I'm like, yeah, right. Y'all, y'all, you know, you know, you don't want dudes <laughs> right, approaching. Exactly. Like, careful what you wish for. But you know, I'll, I'll go out and see see what happens. I'm probably not going to the right spots. Like, like that. That's probably the problem. Is I like just go to my local <laughs> sports bar. Your local sports. And sports uh, yeah, bar I mean, sometimes there's there's some nice ladies in there, but they're normally with a group of people or or whatever. I I, I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. I, I mean, I get dressed up. I throw on uh, the oft uh, you know the oft uh, mocked uh, button down, if you will. Throw on some nice sneaks and get out there. But you know. Not, not exactly happening old-fashioned. So, <laughs> right. we, you know, we look into some of the more modern uh, attempts at, at me trying to find the love of my life. And um, I'm on a couple of those apps, right? I'm on the dating apps. And now I, I'm very clear to make sure I'm on dating apps. I'm not on the hookup apps. I, I'm not looking. And, 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 like, Randy gave me the double-eyed cross. Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I like, I'm not – I'm not here to hook up with people. Mike Bell couldn't believe what he heard me say. But I just, I, I'm not there to hook up with people. I'm looking for relationships. I just don't do, you know, the one-night stand and all that. That's just not me. And so I'm on a couple of these apps. I, I think I have decent profiles, you know. The, so, like, if you could guess what my profile would be, and I'm not talking about, like, the actual uh-huh. literature of the profile. But, like, <laughs> I have, like, two or three pictures that everyone who would be in my situation has, right? Mm-hmm. Picture with Chipper. And, and for those of you who don't know, Chipper is my beautiful yes. uh, 10-year-old husky who, like, everyone loves mm-hmm. Chipper. She, yeah. she loves everyone. Dogs and, like, yeah, the dog, the dog picture in. is a big one. I, I have a picture, like, I, I don't know if I changed it out. It's either in a tux or, or a suit, like, like yeah. looking, looking nice, looking yeah. fresh. Done up. And then, uh, you know, I, I probably have a couple other ones. You know, the vacation picture or, yep, like, the yep. same stuff everyone has, right? Same stuff. And me in a Atlanta United jersey yeah. or something, right? Yeah, the basics. And so I'm on a couple of the apps, and, and that's going fine. I, I found a new app. And, by the way, if you have any suggestions on how, how to help <laughs> me find a lady friend uh, for relationship purposes, feel free. Um I found a new app, though, that that I just read about that I can't bring myself to try. It it sounds like a scam. And <laughs> okay. I know a lot of dating apps might be scams. This one more so. This one even more so. Like when I lived in L.A. and they had just introduced – have you heard of Raya? Raya? No. So they had just introduced Raya when I lived in L.A. I might be able to join Raya in Atlanta now. Maybe. Okay. But in L.A., I had no shot. So the whole premise of Raya, and this is not the app I'm talking about, though. The whole premise of Raya is, like, A-list celebs get to date other A-list celebs. Okay, okay. So I think I have heard of this before. And so, like, in L.A., it was nonsense because, like, you just be on there and then, like, oh, swipe right or swipe left on, like, Sophie Turner. I'm like, well, <laughs> she's very clearly not going to match with me. Right. So, Okay. Uh, but I did know a co- I, I had a couple friends that got on there. I think it's kind of gone away from dating a little bit and now more towards like a LinkedIn networking mm, business okay. type of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I haven't even tried to get on it in, in Atlanta. But like, I'm just going to be honest here, Dom. As a producer at 929 The Game, right. I don't think I qualified to be on Riot. <laughs> but as a host on mm. 929 The Game, I don't know, man. 
Like, I might be able to cash in a couple chips and push it all in. It's a little different, man. It might be. It might be. So, maybe I should go the route of Ryan. But, but again, uh, the one route I'm not going to take is this new uh, dating app. And it's it's a dating app called Score, which, you know, simple enough. Like, sounds like the end end goal, right? Name. But it's a dating app that requires you to have a credit score of 675 or higher to join the user base. Now, I do think I qualify. I don't know what my credit score is. Like, <laughs> I, just like every idiot my age who doesn't know anything about financials, whose mom still sends them tax info and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. But I, I've never had any any credit issues. Like, if anything, because credit's a dumb a dumb thing anyways. Like, if you don't go yeah. into debt, then you're not credit. Mm-hmm. It's a whole stupid thing. And um, but I think my credit's over six seven. I mean, I bought a house, so like, there's that. Yeah. And um, it's a scam, man. It's got to be a scam. Like, there's just no way it's not a scam. First off, like, <laughs> first off, I think you're looking. This is just me personally. Everyone can feel however they want about their ideal partner. Right. If the financial situation that they're in is the primary question, I think you're in it for the wrong reasons. I get that it, it it has some weight to it, and it should be considered. It's a factor. Can't be factor number one. It just can't be. I agree with that. And that's what it feels like with this. But here's the other thing: like, if you have, if you're signing up for a dating app that knows you have a credit score of above six seventy five, there's no way they're keeping that information for themselves at all. You are getting added to a list, my friend. <laughs> it's going I hope in the you database. enjoy random texts and a lot of emails <laughs> and spam and all that stuff. Like this is definitely going to be kept. And and then he, here was the funniest part of like the introduction to what this app is. They said if a user is denied by the app, which means their their score is not high enough, they will receive resources on how to raise their credit score and financial literacy. <laughs> That's It's bad enough funny. you get turned down by a dating app because you don't have high enough credit score. It is way worse for them to, to give you, like, their pity pamphlets about how to raise your credit score. Well, hey, that's they're, they're trying to make sure, hey, maybe one day you'll be good enough to get in here. It gets better, by the way. Oh, it gets please, better. Please keep telling me. It's backed by a group called the Neon Money Club, and they have further teamed up with a company, and this is their name, not mine, called the Cream Card that allows users to convert credit card points, like the regular points you would have with your credit card, okay. uh, to invest in the stock market, the Cream Card. Okay, so, so we there, have Neon Money Club and Cream yeah. Card. Okay. Here, here's the thing. Here, here's the end result of, of this. I don't think this app is interested at all in actually matching people. Like, you know how no. eHarmony or Match.com or, I don't know, like Christian Mingle, whatever. They all <laughs> have commercials only. of success stories, right? Yeah. Yes, I met yes. my husband on blah, blah, blah. Like, they all have success stories. I don't think the success story here, like, they're just not interested <laughs> in, in matching couples. They're just interested in growing their database and portfolio. I don't know. Like, I'll I'll jump on, like, a new dating app and check it out. Like, there have been times where I've been on dating apps way too early, like, right after release, and there's no, like, there's no user uh, base. Yeah, no one's on there yet, yeah. There's a dating app. I'm assuming it's still around. I'm not on it. Haven't been for years. Call and at one point it was on Shark Tank, 
but I was on it before Shark Tank, so no one knew about it. Okay. Called Coffee Meets Bagel. Okay. And you get like one connection a day, and it it either works or it doesn't. And then you have to wait for the next day. You get another connection. Like that was the premise at the time. Okay. And like the user base, I'd get a connection like one every four days. Because it's like, sorry, we don't have a connection for you today. I'm like, well, <laughs> what are we doing with it? Now, yeah. I think eventually it went on Shark Tank and probably the user base it expanded and blew up. And, and maybe, maybe maybe it'd be useful going on now. But uh-huh. at the time, it was like – gotta... this was like while I was in L.A. too. So, like, there was there was millions of people. Yeah. got to jump on that thing now. Unless they were just all on Raya. Could maybe be. I undersold myself. Maybe I should <laughs> maybe, have tried to get on Riot in LA. Riot. Maybe it wasn't that hard to get in. My friend was on it, and she told me about like the matches. And you're like, that's that. First off, why is this person like? I guess like Hollywood celebs need to they need to find a way to meet normal yeah. people too. Yeah, or, or people I guess not normal people, but like she was like, I can't swipe right on this dude. Why? That guy's not gonna go out with me. Are you so kidding me? What? If I, the Jonas if I see, brother, if it's happening here, swipe right, swipe right. You never know, shoot or shoot. I mean, I would. I do it now with non riot people. Still, <laughs> still don't get connections, but I do it. <sighs> Credit score, man. I'm just saying, like, if I had any doubt as to whether they would they would reject me, or accept. There's no way I would. I mean, at all, no. It's it's tough enough, like, the depression of, like, getting no matches on a regular app when you know you're swiping right all the time. Can you imagine completely getting rejected by an app solely yeah, because your credit? That's that's <laughs> that's a heartbreaker, man, right there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how much I could I could survive that one. All right. It, when we come back, we got a couple things still to come here. Will Haskett is going to join me at eight o'clock. Uh, we've had him before. PGA Tour analyst uh, and reporter and. My mom texted me. She said one of my uh, cousins, who's since gotten married, coffee meets bagel. That's where they met. So you got to get back on there, man. Here's the other problem: it takes too much time setting up an ad, a profile, yeah, profile now. Profile, yeah. Like it's just I have two two dating websites. None of them are working. You got to copy and paste your. your I know, other I know, but it's it's I'm, I'm too lazy. Um, <laughs> at eight o'clock, Will Haskins going to join us. We're going to talk about Tiger having to withdraw, uh, and a couple of other golf stories that are going on two months until the Masters. Uh, and also, uh, at the end of the show, we're going to preview what we got for you on Tuesday because I do have an interesting Falcons discussion for you then. But coming up next, it is the time of the show when I go outside the perimeter. The top national stories, topics, and headlines coming your way next on the APTL Show. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Hello there. More of the APTL Show. Your dream on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back into the APTL Show. It's going pretty quick tonight. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels quick to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Who knows? Got a big final hour for you here. We're going to as we mentioned, uh, joined, uh, be joined by, pardon me, uh, Will Haskett, uh, PGA Tour analyst, author. Uh, he's going to break down a couple things we saw at the Genesis Invitational, including Tiger Woods having his weekend cut short. They say illness. 
some back issues as well, maybe a combination of both. Uh, and what happened with Jordan Spieth? Is it time to get rid of that in the game of golf? We'll, we'll kind of break down a couple of things there. And then also, you know, we heard from the offensive and defensive coordinator who joined the station earlier in the show, but also uh, a man who joined the station this week was Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves GM. And so as we get deeper into spring training, a couple things I'm looking for in what Alex Anthopoulos said when he joined the Steakhouse uh, a couple of days ago. But first, as we try to do every show on the ABTL show, it is time to go outside the perimeter. It may be the ABTL show, but it's bigger than just Atlanta. It's time to go outside the perimeter. Banning the globe. Banning the globe. On the ABTL show, Sports Radio 92.9, the game. So the first thing for me today, and again, if you're unfamiliar here on the APTL show, welcome in. My name is Abe Gordon. I'm the host. You can follow me on Twitter at Abe Gordon for more uh, nonsense, uh, dating failures, and sports takes. And Outside the Perimeter for me is a segment I like to talk about some of the top national sports stories, headlines, and topics. Uh, Stuff that wouldn't fill their own segment, but stuff that uh, interests me nonetheless. I'm sorry if I don't hit something that maybe interests you a little bit more, but here here we go with my list. Uh, The Daytona 500, certainly uh, I was looking forward to it. I think many people were. Uh, Unfortunately, we saw uh, Squid Billy uh, off air, a stroll back into the studio today. Feel terrible, just gutted for him. You know, he was down there, and obviously they canceled the event. They pushed it to 4 o'clock tomorrow and he was not able to stay. He's certainly got a show. You can listen to uh, Squid, Mike Johnson, who was down there as well, and Tiffany Blackman tomorrow uh, on the morning shift starting at 6 o'clock. But unfortunately, uh, looked a little broken that he wasn't able to see Daytona, uh, but did get to some of the events there. But uh, Daytona was canceled. It'll be held at least at the moment announced at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So we will... Uh, certainly be paying attention. At least I will. I can't speak for everyone else. But I uh, was looking forward to it taking up a large chunk of this afternoon. And uh, we got the, the story early in the day. So I knew it was going to be canceled. Unfortunately, the rain was just a bit too much. A couple of things in college basketball. Uh, two, two of the top teams in the nation uh, had very different results uh, over the course of the weekend. And we talked with Deshaun Tate a couple of days ago, 92.9 Game College Basketball Insider, uh, about these two teams, and UConn, we'll start there. They have looked like the best team in the country most of the season, and it was my first time, I think, watching like a full UConn game, like 40 minutes start to finish the whole thing. They absolutely obliterated number four Marquette. Now, they were at home, but 81-53 is still, I mean, you count them up, 28-point victory anywhere. Uh, is still impressive over a top-five team in the country. And I think we're looking at a situation where, and I tweeted this yesterday as well, this is probably the most serious I felt about a run at back-to-back titles since Florida did it. If those of you who don't know, I am a Gator fan. Please don't hold too much of that against me. But... You know, when Florida brought back the national title team, it was different because they were bringing everyone back. They weren't replacing guys that helped lead them to a title. They they brought everyone back. There was a couple of guys off the bench they had to to replace, some big guys. But for the most part, it was just the title team running it back. 
it's different for UConn. They had to replace a number of guys, and they look as good. They probably look better now than they did at any point during the regular season a year ago. Remember, they were not like a one seed heading into the tournament. They were a little bit of a surprise champion. Uh, you know, by the time you got to the Sweet 16, you'd look at them and say, hey, they can definitely do this thing. But right now, they are a prohibitive favorite, and that is furthered by the fact that five days, five days after the Ohio State Buckeyes decide to fire and part ways with Chris Holtman, they pick up a huge win over number two, Purdue. And, and, and so congratulations, certainly in order for interim head coach Jake Diebler. Uh, just a monster win for the Buckeyes. Look, the season's over for them. They're not, uh, with, unless they do something crazy in the Big Ten tournament, uh, I don't think they're going to be uh, anywhere close to consideration for an at-large bid. But certainly congratulations to the Buckeyes. Uh, on a big win over number two, Purdue. Uh, UFC. I know not everyone's a fan. I am. And the belt changed hands last night. Ilya Toporia uh, knocked out Alex Volkanovsky in the second round at UFC 298. They also announced uh, the main event for UFC 300. It's going to be Jamal Hill and uh, Alex Ferreira. And I don't know. I don't know. It's supposed to be like USC 300 supposed to be like the landmark event. Uh, I remember UFC 100. I was at a watch party for it. I remember UFC 200, not quite as well as 100, but still remember it. It's just a little, I don't know, just not quite enough splash for me uh, in that main event for UFC 300. But I uh, certainly impressed uh, um, by Taporia, who, who at 27 years old may, may end up holding – that belt for a long time. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but but uh, certainly takes it away from Volkanovski. We'll see if a rematch is in order. Uh, while we're in the world of combat sports, let's stick here for just a moment. For those of you uh, uh, who aren't familiar with how random my sports fandom is, I I'm a huge fan of the Olympics in most events, but um, certainly Olympic boxing I enjoy because I do enjoy watching uh, those amateurs eventually turn pro and kind of following what they do in the early stages of their pro careers, whether they're on the undercards or, or whatever of, of ESPN Plus cards or, or however it may be. I certainly enjoy watching. Among all the other Olympic events I enjoy, I do enjoy boxing. And it was an interesting decision that was made by the uh, IOC because legendary Hall of Famer, whatever you want to call him, Manny Pacquiao at 45 years old actually petitioned to take part in the 2024 Olympics. And the IOC essentially denied his, his request. There's a couple of things at play here. Age was one of the issues that they're talking about. I don't think they allow boxers at that age to compete in the Olympics. I'll be honest, though. The Olympics is for people who have not yet turned pro. It is still, uh, for for boxing, an amateur event. I don't think Pacquiao has any business competing for an Olympic medal at, at this part of his career. After what he has accomplished in his professional boxing career, that, that seems unfair. This is, a, this is a tournament, in my mind, for up-and-comers who are working their way to glory. I, 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 I would have not felt right. If Pacquiao is taking the shots away from 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds 
Um, that, that's just my opinion. It, it, on the flip side, I mean, what an opportunity it, it could have been for a 19-year-old to take out Pacquiao in the Olympics in what maybe would have been the Pac-Man's last fight. Um, you know, they, they deprived that opportunity. Maybe you can make the arguments there, but it just would have felt wrong if he ended up winning a gold medal after the pro career he's had based on what that tournament is supposed to be for amateurs. So uh, I wasn't surprised by the IOC's decision, but I think there is a little more to it than just the 45-year uh, you know, age situation. We've got some weird stuff. I mean, real weird stuff going on in Major League Baseball. And, and again, we are going outside the perimeter. It's part of the show where I talk about some of the top national sports stories, headlines, and topics. And, look, Sacramento uh, seems like they might be a front runner to host the Oakland A's from 2025 to 2027. That is the timeline it would take before the A's are set to move to Las Vegas. But there's just a ton of questions uh, about whether that move even happens at this point. It doesn't appear that the politicians in Vegas want this move. It doesn't necessarily appear, uh, appear that the citizens uh, of the city of Las Vegas are, are overly interested in that move. Uh, but it's a weird situation because whether it's Vegas or somewhere else, I don't think going back to Oakland after 2027 is an option. And so is there an opportunity for poor, uh, excuse me, for, for Sacramento? To, to maybe jump on this is more than just a um, a momentary host. Is that up for debate? Is Portland up for debate if they want to keep a second team in the Pacific Northwest aside from, you know, just the Seattle Mariners? And so very interesting uh, stuff that's – I mean, we're, look, we've got years to follow this story. I don't think it's going to get uh, resolved anytime soon. But the, the idea of Vegas being a host city – while on the surface it made sense, it just seems less and less likely now. And really a bad situation by the A's owner, who really has just overplayed things horrifically and is going to end up – I don't know if ultimately this costs him the team, if, if he's going to have to sell or what the plan is, but uh, just a bad, bad situation for them right now. Uh, and then the final uh, story here outside the perimeter – and this is going to impact, obviously, potentially at least, Atlanta United as well. The Professional Soccer Referee Association rejected the new CBA, and MLS referees are set for a lockout. And so, look, Atlanta United's first game, we talked about it earlier. Atlanta United's first game is on Saturday. And there might be, it seems likely at this point, that there would be replacement officials uh, in that game. I don't know to what extent it's going to affect like VAR and stuff like that. But the guys on the field, guys and gals on the field, seems like they'll be replacement. And, you know, we had this discussion when it kind of came out that this was possible. I thought they would avoid it, to be honest. But a lot of people seem to think that anyone could do these jobs. And I'm just here to tell you, like, there's a reason you have to work your way up and get graded as officials. And I just don't think you're taking – uh, high school referees and, and just thrusting them into the MLS. And so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We've obviously dealt with, right? Remember we dealt with replacement umpires. It was a nightmare. Remember in the NFL, we had the replacement guy. One guy's incomplete. The other guy's holding up the touchdown. Like that's a nightmare. 
Like, like let's not pretend. We tried to pretend in other sports it wasn't going to be that big of a deal, and it was every single time. And, and so we'll see how this plays out uh, if we do get to the weekend. And, and they haven't come to some sort of resolution, but uh, it seems far-fetched at this point. So um, very interesting, certainly, for that. We'll certainly have more of that. Myself and Garrett Chapman, who are hosting uh, Five Stripes Countdown, we'll, uh, we'll have more for you on that. Uh, the day of the opener against Columbus on Saturday starting. Uh, I believe pregame is at 1 p.m. You know, I'm hosting the show. I should know. Uh, pregame is at 1, and the kick there is at 2 uh, on Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for outside the perimeter here. we got one hour left to go, and we're going to kick things off next hour by going to the waitfor.com hotline and, and welcoming in Will Haskett, a, a buddy of mine, PGA Tour analyst and author. He's joined us before. I'm sure we'll be hearing from again him again as we get towards the majors. But he's going to break down what we saw from Tiger and a couple of other golf stories as well. And then after that, we're going to hear from Alex Anthopoulos midway through the hour. He joined the Steakhouse earlier in the week. Uh, so a lot still to come here on the ABTL show. Coming back in about five, we're going to talk about the PGA Tour and specifically Tiger Woods. It is 92.9 The Game. It is the ABTL show. I'm your host, Abe Gordon, coming to you live on a Sunday evening here in the Kia Studios. One hour left to go on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.